Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel and Diane Dufernay, your host every week right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and in Montecito's Upper Village. At Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. How are you doing today? It's good to see you. Well, welcome back to Santa Barbara. Why, thank you. You were in Massachusetts. I was, and it was raining every single day. I was thinking if only this were happening in Santa Barbara, we could use the rain. So my my granddaughter was here. One of my granddaughters was here this week, and she is an avid Boston Red Sox fan. So I was uh, watching every Boston Red Sox game on her app this week. So uh, I noticed on Facebook that you actually went to one of the games I did. It was an exciting game. It was the first game my kids went to. It was so fun. Just how baseball was designed. Quick innings, and then the Yankees got ahead, then the Red Sox overtook them, and we won. Yay! It was yeah. great. Yeah, and it's the nicest ballpark probably in the country, Fenway Park. It was beautiful. Yeah. So the first article today I think is interesting, particularly for people who live in a place like Santa Barbara and maybe live also in a lower tax state part of the time. And it's about um, various apps that have uh, been successful in um, providing people who do live in various different places and try to keep their tax liability low in the high tax places. Um, there are apps that uh, will track your movements uh, so you don't have to take a diary and worry about where uh, you're noting where you've been. At the end of the year, uh, it prints out a report that the IRS takes, which uh, shows exactly where you've been based on the GPS. So I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, and so, you know, you could probably, uh, Diane, move part of your family to Las Vegas and, and save on taxes with this app. Yes, actually, for people in Santa Barbara, I've met many people who during the pandemic were were hopping to a different state to not have residency here in California. Well, it's also interesting at the end of the article, it was almost random. Uh, this uh, last paragraph, it, it, it uh, talks about a uh, court case between Massachusetts and New Hampshire. And Massachusetts passed a law saying that if you are uh, supposed to work, you, you, your job is in Massachusetts, but because you're not allowed to go to the office, uh, you go to another state like uh, New Hampshire, yeah. you still tax in Massachusetts. And it's, it's probably on its way to the Supreme Court, because if that gets passed, it would sort of change a lot of strategy for uh, people who do uh, live in one state and, and work in another. Absolutely. Uh, the next article uh, is about the level of independence. This is in the New York Times, the level of independence of independent directors during a bankruptcy proceeding. Um, and what it is uh, focused on is the fact that uh, in the, the, when you have a bankruptcy, the independent, quote unquote, directors uh, are the ones that the bankruptcy court relies on to give 
uh, opinions about what's the best for the company and the creditors. The issue that this article focuses on is the fact that um, these board members are appointed by the, 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 the board of the corporation and their attorneys. And they want to continue to be appointed to these paid jobs. And so they tend to be more likely to side with a board uh, that is not independent than for creditors. And, um, you know, the article concludes by saying unsecured creditors, those who have no collateral for the money they are owed, recoup 21% less on average from bankrupt companies that had an independent director than from those who didn't. So that's pretty interesting. Well, um, you know, oftentimes those unintended consequences of, of laws um, come out in the weirdest ways. You know, I'm sure when it, the independent um, directors were conceived the concept, it was to actually protect the creditors. And in fact, it's doing the exact opposite. Uh, the next article is from our favorite writer from the Wall Street Journal, Jason Swag, and it's about how uh, investors are setting their sights too high. And it begins by saying that in a recent survey of 750 U.S. individuals, um, what they found that uh, the average expectation for uh, performance of their portfolio was plus 17.3% after inflation. And um, the uh, likelihood of that based upon historical returns since 1926, the average has been 7.1% after inflation um, is not only probably unlikely, but um, it um, based on this article and the studies that they are talking about uh, that sort of go along with this latest survey that when you have high expectations uh, higher than uh, is uh, based upon history, you're likely to, to really get burnt because um, you really haven't taken into account um, uh, all of the risks that you should be taking into. Um, they uh, uh, ended the survey by finding that 77% of US investors in this survey shows that if they were forced to choose, they would rather keep their money safe than, than earn a high return. And yet they invested it because they were expecting this high uh, return in their stocks. Uh, the next article I think is really interesting. It's about, believe it or not, uh, what Peter Thiel did uh, with his Roth IRA. Um, and, you know, the, the Roth IRA is supposed to be for, you know, small and, and the average investor to find a way of, of, of saving money. Uh, and it's basically a way of putting in after-tax dollars that would compound at uh, with no tax, and that would be paid out when you retire uh, at um, uh, with no tax as well. But it's a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful vehicle that right. if you can use it, I strongly encourage you to. So the the, the uh, there is a limitation on how much you could put in, uh, and Thiel has uh, two or three billion dollars in it. Now you may ask, how could that possibly be? He's not 4,000 years old. He couldn't put $15,000 or $18,000 a year in and get to two or $3 billion. What he did is he deposited into the IRA penny stock that was from PayPal before it went public. And that is a, is a, uh, a legal uh, uh, give me that is really something that 
people should really think the government should really the legislature should really think about closing. So if you're somebody who's an entrepreneur and you have a stock that hasn't gone public yet and you can get someone to appraise it at a penny, you can put an incredible amount of money into an, uh, an IRA. And then when you take it out, it's all tax free. So basically what he's doing is he's taking out his capital gain from this investment without paying any taxes at all. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. Um, you know what? I, I should have I should have been uh, a dot com entrepreneur, don't you think? That would have been a, a better <laughs> idea than what I did. I made a yeah, tremendous. I don't know about that, Neil. I think it's too late, though, isn't isn't it? Well, before be, before you do your next article, let's introduce our guests for the show because we we got so excited in Red Sox phenomenon that we we actually do that. So we are thrilled to have with us today. Annette Jorgensen and Leslie Lang Lopez, both of American Riviera Bank with us today, one of our sponsors. So thank you, Leslie and Annette, for being here. We appreciate you. It's our pleasure. Thank you for having us. And we can't wait to hear about you and the bank um, in the next segment. So just quickly, the last article um, is about how uh, narrow the uh, accepted inflation rate is for investors and for the Fed. And the article um, by one of the Wall Street Journal's economists, James McIntyre said, if you have um, uh, a one to 2% risk of falling into deflation, uh, you know, which would be a serious stock market threat, you know, you've really got a problem as you saw in Japan. Uh, and if you have a two, 3% uh, inflation rate, that's sort of the, 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 the sweet spot where everything's okay. But anything above 4%, he's saying, where you end up with expectations of a heated economy and therefore the possibility of not only not having a deflation, but having uh, a, uh, uh, a Fed reaction to that high inflation is where stock market investors have to be careful. So the, what, the lesson here, what he's pointing out at least, is that there's a very narrow band between 2% and 4% where your focus should be when you're considering whether the inflation risk uh, for your portfolio is too great. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSP, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. 
It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So if you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having Annette Jorgensen, who is the Vice President and SBA Business Development Officer at American Riviera Bank with us today. Annette, welcome. Thank you. And we also have Leslie Lang Lopez, who currently serves as the manager of the SBA lending at American Riviera Bank. So today's show, as you can imagine, is about business banking. And you know, I, I have to say, given the climate that we're in, it's it's um it will be really interesting to hear what you have to say with all the loans, with um the COVID loans and where we think we're headed now. But before we jump into that. Annette, let's talk a little bit about how you got into business banking, because it's not one of those things that, you know, as a little girl, you're dreaming about what you want to do when you grow up and you think, oh, I, it's business banking. So what brought both of you to business banking and, and what's what's your background that got you there? So I, I guess I'll let you guys cho choose whoever wants to stop start off. I'll start, Annette. Um, I actually wanted to be a teacher, so I, I, I think I'm still kind of teaching in the SBA world, um, but I came to Santa Barbara in 1980, went to Santa Barbara City College, UCSB, and picked my major based on the beach and figured out, okay, economics is what they had out there, and then started, um, you know, getting into banking, but actually I was selling phone systems, and I sold, sold, sold a phone system to uh, Glida National Bank and started doing SBA loans in 1990 and never looked back because I really helped. I really like helping entrepreneurs. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. And so it felt like the best part of banking. And that's how I got here. That's a neat story. So so you're actually a local. You've been here a long time. You went to City I College. Think, I think so. Yeah, I think if after a certain amount of time. So what is that, 40 years? I think I can say that I'm a local. I, I didn't come very far from Thousand Oaks. Yeah, in Santa Barbara, though, they're pretty harsh about the definition of local. I'm going to give it to you. I've been here now um, like 23 years. I still don't have the title of local, I was told. <laughs> I like it. So, Leslie, what about you? How did you get into um, business banking? 
Well, you know, my mom always told the story that when I was about five or six years old, I actually said, I want to be a banker. So <laughs> that's kind of scary because nobody ever does that. Um, but I um, I grew up in Fresno, so not very far away, um, and went to Fresno State. And I was actually recruited by the SBA right out of Fresno State. So I started with um, the agency in their Fresno office. Um, a few years ago, um, about 30. Uh, and I've been doing SBA lending ever since. I've worked for small banks. I've worked for non-bank lenders. Um, and uh, I came to the Central Coast about 10 years ago. And at one point I worked with Annette and then I left and went to another bank and she hunted me down and got me to come to American Riviera Bank. And we've been able to do some great things there. So, you know, I have to say the success that American Riviera Bank really achieved um, as being a go-to lender in our community was exemplified in the, in the PPP loan um, situation or opportunity that local businesses could apply through American Riviera Bank. And as I hear your backgrounds, I realize the success really is due to the two of you and your experience and your breadth of knowledge. And so tell us about where, you know, what you, um, how you were able to achieve it and do it so smoothly while many other banks, many of the big banks really struggled in getting PPP loans and getting that money that was allocated by the government into the hands of small businesses to help them continue to uh, be in business through the pandemic. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, uh, recognizing our efforts, but I think Annette would agree that it wasn't just us two. Um, we literally- phone, is, That's all we're worried about today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. Um, uh, it really was a team effort and it, especially the initial round um, in April of 2020, I think we had everybody in the bank working in some fashion on PPP to get it done. Um, that origination was spearheaded uh, by Laurel Skies, and she did a, a great job. And um, you know, we, I myself was pretty much in the background doing some of the technical um, aspects of it. Um, and then once we got done with origination, we moved back into forgiveness, and that was a whole other big learning curve and, and new programs and whatnot. So it, it, but it really was a team effort. Um, Annette, in particular, has been key in, in customer communications. As she mentioned, she wanted to be a teacher. So she's been coaching people um, for, well, more than a year now <laughs> through forgiveness. So it, it, it was a tremendous team effort. We had, like I said, I think everyone, the CEO was working on it. Our HR person was talking to customers. It was, it was a, a bank-wide effort. And so, you know, for, I guess I, I kind of, let's back up for a minute. I just jumped right into the SBA and the PPP loans because I know that mm -hmm. that's what's on top of everybody's mind. But help us understand what's the difference between traditional commercial loans and SBA loans. I'll jump in on that one. Um, a traditional loan is usually for a business owner that's been in business, has historical tax returns, is strong, um, and really can show repayment ability. And every bank would want them as a customer. And so a traditional loan is usually five years, fully amortized. Um, it could often be a fixed rate, and there's no question that the bank should do the loan. Um, when we get to SBA, it's, it's a little different. It's a government-guaranteed program, so it allows us to do loans that um, may need a little extra help. Um, we can do startups. We can do business acquisitions. 
Um, we can even do business expansion. And so I would say that the main difference, um, and I'm speaking of the 7A loan program, is it's longer term. It's a 10-year fully amortized loan. And it allows us to do projects that might be considered a little risky for a bank because the government is there to guarantee the loan in case there's any, uh, in, any default or a problem with the loan that the bank would not be out um, the full exposure of whatever the loss would be. So I think the main difference between, I think of the SBA almost as a stepping stone on the 7A loan program to getting more traditional financing. And, you know, you could be a business owner that's only been in business for a couple of years and is still... Um, more in the startup phase or someone who's considering, um, you know, a complete career change and looking at buying, you know, buying an existing business. So um, the SBA is a great loan program and it really helps those that might not be able to get the loan under the you know, terms and conditions of a traditional loan. Traditional Does the SBA rank the banks so that you're not just throwing garbage into the guarantee so that if you have a bad record, you're going to get penalized versus a bank that's more careful? That's a great question. And yes, they do. They provide us on a quarterly basis, kind of a portfolio or, or lender score. And right now on a scale of one to five, one being the best, we are rated a one. <laughs> so that's a timely question. Um, but yes, they watch what we do very carefully. They audit um, both remotely and sometimes come on site. Um, it, it just really depends on, on how much risk they um, have identified in, in your portfolio or in your operations um, that would decide whether or not they, you know, just look at you on, on a screen or come actually to your door. But, you know, you, you, you talked about the PPP loans uh, mm -hmm. as, as if it's part of, you know, the uh, SBA, but they're, they're not really. That, that was a separate program, wasn't it? Or was it through the SBA? It was, it, it's actually considered um, a part of the 7A loan program. 7A is the, you know, the name of the law that, that created that program initially. Um, and it's considered part of that because those, those PPP loans, we, the bank, make the loans. It's our money going out. The SBA provides 100% guarantee that we'll get repaid. Um, so in that fashion, it works very similarly. And they're using some of the same processes and forms um, it, to to manage that portfolio. But no, it, the PPP loan is, is its own animal. It, it's very different from regular 7A lending. Um, it, it was designed to be that way. It was designed so that we could get money out quickly to the people who needed needed it. But regular SBA lending is, is a little bit more um, cumbersome, we'll say. So what's the advantage of being ranked a number one as opposed to a number five? Do they give you more leeway in your approvals or do they give you access to more money through the through the SBA loans? Um, yeah, essentially, um, we are what's called a preferred lender, and that's kind of their highest echelon of, of lenders. Um, so you have to maintain that score to, to maintain your preferred status. Being a preferred lender allows us to make the decision on credits. Um, we make sure that we're following all the rules as, as they've spelled them out for us. But um, if we were to, to not perform, you know, at the level we're performing and start doing deals that we shouldn't be doing, then we risk losing that preferred status. When you send, at that point, you have to send every approval to SBA. Now it's all done electronically now, but it, it can impact your ability to turn the loan around for your customer. Um, it can take as little as three days when everything's going really well. But sometimes it can take three weeks or three months, depending on, you know, if there's a shortage of funds or, um, you know, just a, 
backlog at the agency. So it's real important that we maintain our preferred status. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. If you have trouble handling your anger, get help. If someone you love is hurting or scaring you, get help. There is a full-service domestic violence agency in Santa Barbara County, which offers emergency shelter, counseling, transitional housing, anger management, and teen outreach programs. Its name is Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County. Call their 24-hour helpline at 964-5245. Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County putting an end to domestic violence. Did you know that domestic violence sends more than 500 women and children to emergency shelters every year? There is a place where all family members affected by domestic violence can get help. Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County with four 24-hour phone lines to help. In Santa Barbara, call 964-5245. In Santa Maria, call 925-2160. In Lompoc, call 736-0965. And in Santa Ynez, call 686-4390. I'm Little Teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spout. No, Dad, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pour me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by... Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So when Trump became president, there was talk about uh, eliminating the SBA program completely. Uh, were you nervous? Were you, what were you doing during that period when the SBA wasn't being funded? Um, well, I think that happens every once in a while. And that, do you remember that, that occurring historically? It, it does happen every few years. And we just kind of continue on and because uh, it always opens back up again or something happens. So we kind of get used to it. Deja vu. Well, I'm sure you, you're thanking me for asking that question. I apologize. <laughs> so before the break, we were talking about the um, SBA loans 7A, which is the code section that created it, and the PPP loans kind of fell within that bucket. But there also are SBA 504 loans, too. And what are those and what are those earmarked for? Um, the 504 loan program is really for real estate, for buying owner-user commercial real estate. So when a business owner wants to buy a property where they'll have their business located and will occupy at least 51%, they have an opportunity to use that program. And the greatest advantage is that we can go with as, as little as 10% down. 
when you do a regular commercial uh, real estate loan, normally a bank wants 25 to 35% down. So this program has been around and it allows business owners to have stability and owning their own property. Um, it's it's 90% financing and the rates are very, very attractive. Uh, it's a 50% first loan and a 40% SBA loan. And really our, the rates on the 40% right now are quite low. Um, it's based on the sale of debentures, which is like bonds. That's how the loan is funded. And right now the 40% is 2.81% fixed for 25 years, which is substantially lower than uh, most commercial rates. And the 50% first, if you look at the weighted average between the two, you're probably at um, about a three, three and a half percent rate. What's the maximum uh, uh, of uh, sales that the client has to have before he can no longer get an SBA loan? Um, there's different ways of measuring that, but for the 504 loan, it's based on the um, tangible net worth of the company not being greater than 15 million and the average uh, uh, net profit after tax of 5 million over two years. So quite often, uh, most businesses will qualify for that program. Every once in a while, you get a company that's a little bit too big because they also look at the affiliate businesses um, that they're involved in. But uh, I would say, especially locally, Santa Barbara, Goleta, San Luis Obispo Paso, we're able to work with um, almost every business. So that the, the 504 loans must be very um, attractive to people here in Santa Barbara. They're very attractive to the people in Santa Barbara, but also to the, the bank and to the lenders because you end up with a 50% real estate loan because the SBA comes and takes out that 40%. So the bank is uh, interested in it at a 50% loan to value. Also, um, the, the customers, the clients are quite happy with it because they have the stability of owning a property. Um, they don't have to worry about their landlord increasing their rent or telling them that they're going to sell the building up from under them. Uh, so it's very attractive. And there's a lot of interest. And there was a lot of interest even during COVID for the 504 loan program. So the last couple of years have been extremely busy with um, real estate purchases. Owner user. So with all the SBA lending with the government and the bank, how does the bank make money on these transactions? So it's clear that it's it's good for the business owners, but the, how does the bank actually make it worth their while to you know staff up an SBA, SBA experts like yourselves? Let's get that well, one. <laughs> <laughs> typically, um, for on on the seven A portfolio. Um, there's a couple things is, is where you're normally charging a higher interest rate than is on a conventional loan. Let's say conventional loans right now are funding at four and a half percent. We're charging six on an SBA. And that makes sense because there's more risk involved in an SBA loan. Um, then what the banks are able to do as well is they can take the guaranteed portion of a 7A loan. Um, in most cases, it's 75% guaranteed. Right now, the government's extended to 90 to try to encourage banks to lend more. Um, so we can take that 90% portion loan and we sell that off on the secondary market. Um, in doing so, they, that returns the cash to the bank so then we can turn around and lend more, which helps, you know, that um, uh, helps the cash cycle a little bit. We also earn a premium on the sale of that portion. So that um, helps to return fee income directly to the bank. 
So um, I, I, let's transition back to PPP loans for a minute. You know, when they were all being originated, there was some confusion over, you know, what hoops and what I's do you have to dot and what T's you have to cross in order to get that those monies forgiven. What are you seeing now that we are, you know, over a year into the program? And are you, in fact, seeing most business owners get their monies forgiven? And what is that looking like from your your vantage point? Well, I'm very happy to report we have been very successful with our forgiveness applications. Um, we did over a thousand loans between uh, 2020 and 2021, um, and I think all but 12, I actually have an, an email going out to my team today that said we only have 12 loans from 2020 that are there's not completed, not forgiven, um, mostly because the borrower has not completed the application. And so we're, we're trying to manage that and encourage them to, to get them in. Um, so we have over the thousand loans, about 70% are um, forgiven. And we've not had SBA come back to us yet with um, that when they didn't agree with what we had decided. We, the bank makes the decision. We, we say, you know, yes, this will be fully uh, forgiven or it'll be partially forgiven or, you know, we can't forgive it at all. And so far they have agreed with all of our decisions. So, um, you know, we're pretty proud of that. Do, do you work with um, the commercial lenders to um, uh, make them aware that maybe they should be proactive with their clients and tell them there's an opportunity to buy their their space if it's a restaurant or a small business. So rather than wait for them to come into the door, do you have an education program with your uh, traditional bankers to uh, make, make them more proactive? Definitely. I know Annette um, has worked at American Maria Bank a little bit longer than I have. And I know she was very proactive in working with all the commercial lenders and she was co-located with them for a time. Um, so they're very well-versed, particularly in 504. And they also know when they can't do something that they need to give one of us a call and say, well, this work as a 7A. Um, so yeah, we get a lot of our business from them. Um, they were also very helpful and they're still being helpful in the forgiveness process on the PPP loans, because sometimes, you know, the, the clients may not know me or may not know one of my team members that's calling them or emailing them. So we'll reach out to those commercial lenders who have that strong relationship with that client and, you know, encourage them to apply or get them connected to Annette or, you know, another team member to walk them through the process. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice an eight-year-old girl who's not, not excited, excited for, for summer, summer break because she may not be having lunch again until September? Or a single father of two who works three, three part-time jobs and still can't put enough food on the table. Or maybe a mother who cleans offices at night, hoping to find meeting leftovers to take home to her hungry family. Or a war veteran who's having, having a hard time, time landing, landing a job and getting back on his feet. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize, 
Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The Hearts Therapeutic Equestrian Center offers therapeutic horsemanship for individuals with disabilities, for veterans, and for at-risk youth. And the organization has some volunteer opportunities. Here's Morgan Kastanek. We train everybody. We are more than happy to start from the ground up. The most common way to get started is to be a sidewalker. You are literally walking alongside the participant while they're in the saddle. We also have groomers and tackers. They're the ones who get the horses ready for lessons. And then we also have leaders. And those are the folks who are actually hooked up to the horse, to the halter during lessons. And they are leading the horse through the arena. Email our volunteer coordinator. Her name is Kiz, K-I-Z, and her email is kiz at heartsriding.org. To learn more about volunteer opportunities, go to heartsriding.org, heartsriding.org. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So with all the um, turmoil and uncertainty out there with the pandemic, are you seeing people starting new businesses? And do you think this is a good time to start a new business? I think the best answer is it depends, because we've seen quite a few industries that were hit really hard with, with COVID and the pandemic, and they really are still struggling, but with the PPP money and the um, disaster loans direct from the SBA, they're doing okay. But then we've seen other industries that had their best years ever in 2020 and 2021. So I think it really depends on the industry and how prepared the borrower is, um, what kind of resources that they have um, and personal assets. And so um, we, we've seen some startup requests that really make a lot of sense. They've done a good business plan. Um, they have cash resources. They're in an industry um, that you know is, is doing really well. And then I would say, yes, it's a good time to start a business and to look into that, but you need to really be prepared. And so, you know, I can't help but to think that the hospitality industry here in, in Santa Barbara has been obviously uh, negatively impacted through this pandemic. And it, it reminds me of 2017 when, and 2018 with the fire, with the Thomas fire and, and the mud flow. And how, how are you seeing your hospitality clients fare during, during this pandemic as opposed to you know, the fires? You know, a lot of them did get PPP loans. Um, we had a, a tremendous um, demand for that. Um, as uh, Annette mentioned, a lot of them were also able to take advantage of what's called an EIDL, which is a direct uh, loan from the government. Um, that those loans are, you know, at three, I think it's 3.75 fixed for 30 years, and they had a year deferment. So those have helped um, quite a few, but most. Uh, I know we did get a really good look at how a lot of our uh, businesses were impacted when we did the second round, or excuse me, the second draw PPP loans, because part of qualifying for that program, they had to actually show us that their revenue had been reduced. 
And um, I can remember when we were going through uh, or, or processing those applications, you know, some, they had to have had a revenue reduction of at least 25%. And that was either year over year or quarter over comparable quarter. And um, it, it, most of them, you know, were somewhere around the 25 to 35%. Um, and, you, you know, you kind of anticipated that restaurants and so forth. And then some of them were like 80% revenue reduction. And those were just kind of shocking. And you're just like, I don't know how these people are, are making it. But I, I think it was a combination of, of our PPP loans and, you know, some other sources of assistance. Um, but they, they seem to, they actually seem to have fared fairly well. Now, are you still, can you still apply for a PPP loan at this point or has the application process closed? Yeah, no, it closed. I want to say for banks, for commercial banks, it closed in early May. I don't remember the um, specific date, and then, um, and then at that point, um, only certain kind of community financial um, institutions were able to provide them, but they completely dried up um, right before the end of May, so you can't apply for them anymore. But there are, like I said, there's other programs. I know they they're still, I think, accepting uh, shuttered venue operator grant applications. That's an SBA program for theaters and other venue operators. Um, and I don't think they're taking any more applications for the restaurant revitalization fund, but I, I know that they're, you know, in the, they're, they're processing those and those funds are also flowing out. So that specifically helped restaurants, caterers, you know, anything food-based, wineries. Um, so everyone's getting a little bit extra help. I know when, when the PP loans, PPP loans were um, being worked on by the bank, you found uh, that, uh, because you were doing it faster and more efficiently than the big banks who sort of got lost in the beginning, uh, you were building up some goodwill with businesses that weren't necessarily your clients. Do, do you have any sense of how many customers you were able to get as permanent clients because of your very good response to the PPP program? I don't, I don't think I have specific data for that, but um, that, yeah, our, our response to the marketplace, it was our aim to get this program done, you know, come hell or high water, uh, for lack of a better term. And we were able to beat some of the larger lenders to market. Um, I know Chase Bank, um, which is a well-respected well financial institution, um, I don't think they opened up for about two weeks um, after most of, you know, the other banks started. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. They want to be a little bit more careful, but um, I know we're still getting clients calling us a year later, you know, more than a year later saying, you know, I heard about you guys and you did my PPP loan and now I want to bring everything over. So it's still going on, but I, you know, I think we've, we've had some tremendous growth in deposits. I think if you looked at that, you could probably, you know, uh, figure out how, what kind of impact it had. Yeah, well, you're definitely you had a great um, rep reputation boost for getting it done, and it, it was wonderful to see a local community bank, you know, get get such good positive uh, props in the community. Now, you know, before the pandemic, you expanded up into San Luis Obispo County, and you know how are, how are things faring up and in, in slow versus you know Santa Barbara County. Well, we started our expansion into San Luis Obispo County um, with the opening of a Paso, our Paso Robles office. 
And that office, I think they had deposits before they even had the branch open. I mean, obviously those deposits had to go to a different, um, a different branch because you can't have um, deposits without the, the physical building. Um, but they have grown tremendously. And then um, San Luis Obispo, I want to say opened about a year and a half or two years later, and that can probably correct me. Um, and they grew a little bit more slowly, but this last year they have, you know, doubled in size or something. And um, yeah, we, we've had great success up here. I think a lot of that is due to our, the teams that they've been able to build. Um, our Paso Robles office is um, managed by Neil Amaranth and he's done a great job at finding talent. Um, and it's it's just it just seems to have kind of ballooned on itself, but no, both both of those branches are doing doing great. We're um, I know the bank is looking at other expansion um, projects right now, and so how, we'll is, have to how did the people integration go with the banks that you that you merge with? How did what? I'm sorry. The, the integration of the people in the banks that you merge with were they was that smooth? Um, we haven't. Uh, oh, I, the bank. American Riviera Bank um, did purchase the Bank of Santa Barbara. Um, and I don't think, Annette, you weren't there. You weren't with the bank then, and neither was I. I was but, the day they merged. Oh, the day. <laughs> well, Annette can probably merged was the day that I started at, in 2015. Yeah. So it, it was, it was pretty seamless. I mean, everyone, you know, everyone did really well with that personality wise and just we have a great team and everybody works really hard and we we you know we really enjoy what we're doing and so it was pretty seamless and so you know so so your expansion efforts really have been more homegrown as a per, as opposed to acquisitions they've you've Correct. gone to communities and placed teams there on behalf of the bank Correct that yeah they built um, they, you know, established a physical location. They hired people. It was not an acquisition. They were, um, like you said, homegrown. <laughs> a good, homegrown, good term. exactly. Well, that's exciting. I can't wait. To, um, um, I'll wait on the edge of my seat to hear about future expansion plans. That's um, great for whatever communities American Riviera Bank decides to go into. Now, is the commercial lending piece um, mainstream so that all branches work through your team? Um, if, if it's SBA related, um, that's what we, we handle. And again, we do communicate quite a bit with all the commercial teams to keep them abreast of, you know, changes in the PPP program, 504 and 7A. And we do get a lot of business from the commercial loan officers. Um, again, the, they'll, they'll be working with the client and they'll realize for some reason what they're working on can't be done conventionally. Then it comes over to our team. You're listening, um, to, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back with our final segment. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite 
invite you to visit thekellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act License Number 41DB0-72220. California Financial Lending Law License Number 60DB0-72528. Loan Originator NMLS Number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. Business is great in Santa Barbara, and Santa Barbara is great for business. Robbie and Afaloy Ortega and Earl Armstrong with the CEO Report. Santa Barbara's longest-running, locally-produced radio program. Wednesday morning at 11 a.m., we rebroadcast the show at 9 p.m., and on Saturday morning at 9 a.m., we're streaming live on newspress.com. Your weekly business radio magazine on KZSB AM 1290. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So I, I can't let us you know, finish up this interview without talking about all the wonderful things that American Riviera Bank does for our community. And so I, I just wanted to um, ask you, how do you feel about the banks and and your personnel's impact in our community in the Santa Barbara community or San Luis Obispo community in the nonprofit um, area. I know that I'm I'm on a board of of several nonprofits and one of which uses American Riviera and we are always so grateful for the support. That's great to hear. Yeah, um, like a true community bank, um, American Riviera Bank and its employees do a fabulous job of supporting the community. Um, they they contribute to, I want to say it's more than 250 local nonprofits, those will be in Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo County. Um, we always encourage our employees to volunteer to help at events. I know when I first came to the bank, I got to go to um, some of the Santa Barbara Police Foundation events, which were really fun. Um, also to Fiesta, the old Spanish days Fiesta events, um, which are special in, in Santa Barbara. Very um, oh today, given that fiesta starts on Friday. <laughs> it got canceled, Diane. Oh. Um, in, in addition to obviously volunteering at events, a lot of our employees um, are on boards and you know serve the community in that fashion. Um, and, you know, Mid-state fair is another big event going on, and, and we're very involved um, in what goes on up there as well specifically the 4-H auction, which is always fun. Oh, that is fun. I know when I was growing up, I grew up on a farm. And so um, we always had the Grange Hall where it it was like 4-H for even more rural communities than where 4-H is. (laughs) Growing things, livestock, vegetables, et cetera. So yes, always so much fun. So now economically speaking, 
that's exciting that the bank has plans for expansion. What do you see in terms of our local communities and the businesses' abilities to expand and create and thrive um, through the banks, um, with the bank's assistance? Do you see that going strong um, regardless of what the economic condition is? Or do you see us potentially taking a hit if, if the markets should do something peculiar? You know, I know Annette and I have both talked about this, that we are just so blessed. <laughs> we ha have just the, the best customers. It's amazing how resilient they have been, how creative they have been. And really, we're not seeing a lot of weakness in, in their portfolio. I think we anticipated, we didn't anticipate that. We were kind of preparing ourselves, you know, to roll out, you know, all kinds of servicing tools um, to help people. And we, we just haven't seen that happen. Um, part of that is because of the PPP program. I think that, um, you know, was a good stopgap measure and helped kind of people get through. Um, I'm, I don't know, um, you know, I don't know how much of an impact is still kind of left to be felt, but um, we've really been impressed with all of our, it's just certainly our SBA borrowers, I think our commercial borrowers in general, um, the bank has done a great job in responding to any type of request for deferment or restructure, and we've been able to keep um, keep our you know portfolio running strong. So, Annette, would you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, I, I agree with that, and I think um, we're saying that uh, businesses are doing okay, and they're you know that the rest of the year is going to be good, and the demand for the 504 uh, loans is very very high. So business owners are buying commercial real estate. I probably get a call, at least one call, it almost seems like every day that someone is looking at purchasing a building. So thank you, Annette Jorgensen and Leslie Lang-Lopez for, for being here today. And thank you for all you do at the bank. And thank you for the bank for all you do for the community. Thank you, Diane, for coming back to Santa Barbara. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk and we'll see you all next week. It's 3.30.